today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Talk about COVID-19 and the investigations have started uh, or will be starting into where this originated, how it started, uh, what we could have done better. uh, And, uh, you know, this uh, 43 weeks after we started to be uh, affected by it. Uh, COVID-19, the 19 standing for... 2019, the year that it did originate. So the World Health Organization is to start its investigation uh, into what happened. We'll talk about that and uh, as well bring you an update on Hong Kong. Let's bring in Charles Burton, Senior Fellow at the McDonald-Laurier Institute and former Counselor at the Canadian Embassy to China and is with us now. Charles, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. Hi, Scott. Good afternoon. Before we get to uh, an update on what's going on in Hong Kong and such, talk about uh, your thoughts on the World Health Organization and the investigation that is uh, starting this week. I guess they're arriving uh, in China this week to to uh, to get some more answers, considering some have accused uh, the World Health Organization of being a little too close to China. How confident are you we will get the answers that we want here? Uh, not too confident. I mean, of course... You know, our main focus is really that lab near the the uh, wet market in the city of Wuhan that uh, may have um, leaked out the 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 virus that's caused so much uh, so much death around the world. I don't think that they're going to get access to that. My impression is that the Chinese are are going to um, you know do a highly orchestrated tour for these people under strict supervision and the Chinese government's already suggesting that uh, you know when the when the inspection is done that the World Health Organization and the Chinese scientists will want to go together to some other place where they'll really find out where it came from so um, you know uh, let's uh, well believe it when you see it you know we might we might uh, get the bottom of it and and get some scientific basis that suggests uh, how this thing uh, started and what we could do to prevent it from starting again and whether it gives us any um, indications on treatment protocols and so on, that would be great. But uh, judging how China's handled it up to now, um, I think we're in for a bit of a snow job. So I remember talking to uh, epidemiologists and, and academic scientists uh, about this way back when, and they told me exactly how SARS started and how they had traced it to this, that, and, and a wet market, uh, food market, and, and such. And, and I was astounded by all of this, to which the person said, yes, isn't science great? Um, so will it be possible for that same sort of analysis, that same sort of conclusion? And if not, how can China possibly <laughs> present any sort of scientific uh, roadmap to it coming from somewhere somewhere else? Well, I think that, you know, with SARS, we have the, the knowledge that it originated in these um in these animals called civet cats that people were eating mm-hmm. in restaurants that serve, um, you know, wildlife uh, dishes. You know, in China, you can, if you're willing to, to lay out a lot of money, you can you can eat any number of of uh, wild creatures that are captured in the in the mountains and forests. And civet cats were a delicacy. So you know, we know that that SARS has an association with that animal, and it it spread from from the civet cats into humans. With regard to um, the uh, the explanation for um, this COVID-19, 
that uh, it transmitted through certain animals in the uh, in the market in Wuhan. That explanation does not seem too credible, as um, it seems that those species were not actually in that market in, at the time. So, the explanation that it's a result of an error in in a laboratory seems more likely and the one that we'd really want to pursue, and that's the explanation the Chinese government does not want to uh, see any uh, neutral scientific um, team explore. And, I, I mean, I think, you know, it's it's really about political factors. If it's found out that we've had this massive death and, and awful uh, pandemic as a result of political decisions made, bad political decisions made by the Chinese Communist Party to suppress information about the spread of this disease early on when it might have been able to be contained, then, um, you know, that would obviously be very damaging domestically to the current government of China that, you know, has no basis for legitimacy in the sense of no one elected them. So, you know, it seems that, that Chinese communist politics are, are writ large in both this action and in the fact that, that we're seeing um, so much premature death from the COVID-19 in Canada and throughout the world, that things could have gone differently if they'd had an honest government there that that listened to its doctors and didn't attempt to deceive people as to the source of the uh, of the coronavirus. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. There are two credible theories here. One is that it originated in the wet market, very similar to the SARS scenario. I heard it was with a, a pangolin, an animal yeah. by that name, uh, this time. So that's one theory. The other theory is that it was somehow escaped from a Wuhan lab that was close to the wet, uh, wet food market, and then it, it just happened to spread via uh, the the wet food market. So are those the two theories? What, and is the lab theory credible? Well, I mean, those are the two theories. And, you know, they, they weren't selling those pangolins in the Wuhan market. So um, it seems to have originated from bats, um, which had been brought up from the southwestern province of Yunnan to Wuhan for the research. That seems to be the theory. And then it spread to other species from the bats. And I guess it's possible that you know, somehow or other, people who had the, the infection were moving through the wet market, which is, you know, you go shopping right. after work after all, and uh, and it was spread from there. But, you know, we don't really know. I mean, they're all, you know, until until the scientific research is done, we don't have the answers. But if the Chinese government are closing off um, access to places that, you know, the scientific community feels should be investigated, that uh, can't be a good sign. So uh, is there a difference if it spread out of a lab, if it came out of a lab, or if it spread within a wet food market? Is there a different, does that matter to China? Does it matter uh, how the world views them, depending on how it did originate it? Well, I think so. I mean, I think that, um, for one thing, once they became aware that they had a problem with the lab, you know, that should have sent up the alarm immediately. If the information was suppressed because the officials who were apprised of this were afraid of the um, impact on their careers, you know, if they had to report bad news up to Beijing due to an error in a lab, or <clears throat> if they had to report that they had people-to-people -people spread, that that would have been a problem. I mean, the main thing is that if we'd been aware of the people-to-people -people spread, and if the Chinese government had not been complaining about us stopping uh, 
um, air travel from China into Canada, including from mm. Wuhan. And if the Chinese government, in a timely fashion, had stopped um, citizens of Wuhan leaving that area to to go home to celebrate Chinese New Year, as enormous number of people did, that uh, maybe the disease could have been contained in Wuhan, and that would have been, you know, a much better, possibly much better solution. But uh, you know, until the investigation's done, we can't tell. And certainly, the Chinese want to say it. You know, it came to China later. Might have come from Italy. Maybe it came with the U.S. troops that attended some military games in Wuhan in the fall. You know, they're trying to. And how valid are those allegations? Oh, not not valid. You know, there's no there's no basis for them, which is why, you know, the Chinese government in in trying to obfuscate the issue makes it seem more uh, more concerning. You know, uh, like really, it would be in the interest of everybody, particularly the people of China, if we had a clear notion of the origins of this disease and could take action to prevent the same thing from happening again. And if it was due to, to poor procedures in a lab, you know, that's information that one would take on board and ensure that, that something was done to prevent um, such uh, such errors being made in future. You know, it's it's not really, I mean, you know, the, the thing is the disease has occurred and we're all suffering from it and mistakes have been made by any number of governments and individuals, um, you know, who don't who don't abide by uh, what the government tells them is the safest practices, and and so I'm not seeing it as a blame game. I'm really seeing it as uh, as how do we address this in the best way possible to 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 address the existing pandemic and to prevent f- future disasters of this nature from occurring again. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. It seems we did get to the bottom of SARS. Why is this proving to be more difficult? Well, I think the thing about SARS was that there's no real um, suggestion that that there was any man-made uh, error on the part of um, of uh, the spread of the disease. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, it's unfortunate that that people. Um, are consuming these uh, wild animals that have a tendency to to um, um, mutate viruses into forms that affect humans. You know, it's unfortunate that most of the things that we've been getting recently in terms of SARS and, and COVID-19 and bird flu seem to have origins in uh, Chinese agricultural practices and the character of, of, of their retailing of, um, of meats. But you know that the SARS one was uh, we know what it was and uh, and they dealt with it in a timely fashion and uh, of course SARS did not lead to the kind of enormous numbers of premature deaths and suffering that we're seeing with this disease and and um you know that 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 suggests that if the chinese didn't have something to hide that they would be more forthcoming to the global community as they were with SARS with SARS in the early phase, there was an attempt by the Chinese government to suppress the information. But uh, so, rapidly, so considering what we did find out from SARS, and uh, is this a, a futile game for for China? I mean, will this, in the end, even if it's not completely confirmed, still obviously point the the fingers in their direction? Well, I think so. I mean, if the theory about the uh, pangolins is correct. And why hasn't that been fully verified? You know, why can't yeah. they show a, 
So is it more damaging to have her, would it be more damaging for China to have had this escape from a lab than it would just to have occurred in, uh, you know, a wet market that, that, that wasn't, that was contaminated? Well, I think so, because my, my guess would be that if it had escaped from a lab, it would have been reported to the higher authorities who would have mm. um, asked the information right. to the press so as not to affect public confidence and, and to protect the, um, the people who are responsible for this kind of sensitive scientific research. You know, it, the, the regulators and all sorts of communist officials would have been involved in the decisions with regard to how that lab operated. And if, you know, a, a dangerous bat-borne virus uh, escapes from a lab, it suggests that something's wrong with the proceeding, with the procedures, and you know humans would be accountable for that. As we move towards a vaccination and mass vaccination, hopefully in the next uh, few months, will it put more focus on this? We seem to talk about this at the beginning, and then obviously just trying to to cope with it and then recover has has taken everybody's attention. Will we find out these answers? I think eventually we're going to find out. I mean, you know, certainly there are people who um, evidently are providing um, foreign governments with information out of the sense of responsibility that the issue is really how to verify that information and, and see if we if if what they're saying is is true. But you know, once the pandemic is over, obviously there's going to be an enormous process of trying to come to terms with what happened and what went wrong and what went right and obviously a lot of things have gone wrong but uh, you know that's that's uh, for for later and for historians i'm certainly very interested in in finding out you know if our our the dominance of of this uh, virus in in all of our media and and social practices has been justified or not um you know i think that only time will be able to tell in the meantime i think we just have to do what what our uh, what our premier and public health people tell us to do, and and hope that uh, we can minimize the the numbers of lives lost and and resume a, a a more normal life for Canada and get back our economic development um, when this thing is passed, which is apparently going to be a, a year away. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes left, uh, Charles. Can you give us a bit of an update on what has been happening in Hong Kong? Obviously, uh, haven't talked a lot about that story recently, or the two Michaels, for that matter. Um, anything more you can give us on Hong Kong and, and how things are changing there? Well, I think that um, you know, once the Chinese government had negotiated a, an investment deal with the European Union, you know, with a view to trying to. Uh, prevent the Europeans from getting together with Canada, the United States, and other powers to to unify in response to China's, you know, the, uh, hostage diplomacy and violations of the rules of trade. Once they got that one going, they then decided to arrest 55 democracy activists in Hong Kong who've been trying to come up with a united front in the uh, Hong Kong legis- next legislative elections. They elect about half of the of the members of the legislature and the other half are appointed. Um, the Hong Kong government had postponed the elections anyway for a year on the basis that you can't have an election when COVID's going on. Um, our government has got together with the governments of Australia, the UK, and the United States to issue a statement of serious concern. But, uh, you know, our minister is not planning to actually do anything. I guess if the situation gets worse, we'll suggest it was very serious concern or 
maybe he can really go over the edge and say it's very, very serious concern. But, um, you know, it looks like Canada is just going to give tacit consent to the Chinese government to suppress the promised freedoms to Hong Kong. Now, Mr. Champagne has said he will always be there for the 300,000 Canadians currently living in Hong Kong. But exactly what that means and how reassured the 300,000 Canadians are at hearing that statement, I'm, you know, pretty skeptical. <laughs> will or can China turn world perception around? I don't think so. Not this regime. I mean, genocide in, in Xinjiang, gross violation of Hong Kong, um, you know, unjustified economic coercion, um, uh, you know, expansion in the South China Sea, uh, debt diplomacy with their Belt and Road Initiative, uh, victimizing third world countries um, and, and, and assuming control of their port facilities when they can't pay back the debts. I mean, these things are are pretty hard to come back from. So I, I think what we're really looking at is a change in regime in China and a fresh start. Hmm. Charles Burton with a senior fellow at the McDonnell-Laurier Institute and former counselor at the Canadian Embassy to China. Charles, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. Great to speak with you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.